You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Yeah, so you've got it. We are going to be looking at joy this morning. Last week we looked at love. This week we're looking at joy. Steve Page, who's part of the church, has written poems for each of these. And this week we've got a poem all about joy that is being read by Aisha. So thank you very much. The fruit of the spirit is joy. Joy has a name whispered in awe, shouted in triumph and partied abroad. Joy outruns mourning and tears, drowns our hatred and drives out fears. Joy brings peace and laughter soon after. Joy gives release and heals much faster. Joy has a name above all the others. His name is Jesus. Joy has many colours. Brilliant. Thank Thank you. you. And today's Bible reading, Kayla is going to read for us. So thank you so much, Kayla. Hey, church. Today we're reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Great. Thank you so much, Kayla. It's good to hear God's word spoken. This was a letter written by Paul to the Galatians. He planted the church. uh, We talked a little bit about that last week. And he's then writing to them saying, keep the gospel central. And the way to do that is to remember the Holy Spirit. You're to live by the Spirit, it said in verse 16. You're to be led by the Spirit, verse 18. You're to keep in step with the Spirit, we read in verse 25. And then in the midst of this whole thing of, look, the Spirit is really key, we get this fruit of the Spirit. Last week, we looked at the fruit of love. This week, we're looking at the fruit of joy. I guess if we're really honest, if you're anything like me, it's so easy to look for joy in a number of different ways. We can look for it in places. Where do we live? Joy can be in our home, can't it? In painting it, in making it feel comfortable, buying furniture for it. Joy can be in the people that we know, whether it's friends and family. Joy can even be in the possessions that we own, the car that we drive, the tennis racket that we play with, the golf clubs that we have. Joy can be in our position. How are we doing at work? How's the promotion going? How much responsibility do we have? Joy can be in our personality. Are we glass half full kind of people? Let's be optimistic. The honest truth is that it's quite difficult to be joyful in a tough world. 
The reality is that we can worry. We can have perfectionist tendencies. We can be in a rush. We can be busy. I read a study this week that we remember and think about negative things five times longer than positive ones. And so it's no wonder that even our young people are growing up maybe slightly more cynical than optimistic. We live in what I would call a manufactured desired community. So a lot of our life is based around advertising, if we're really honest. You want to glory in the novel and you want to crave the new. How do we replace? How do we update? You know, your iPad's constantly saying update, update. You can't get onto things. John Tyson, who leads a church in New York, and they've been preaching on the fruit of the spirit. I listened to his this week. He called it defiant joy in a time of despair. We are living in difficult days. Here in West London, we remember it was three years ago today that Grenfell Tower caught fire and 72 people died. You think literally just down the road, it's, it's sorrowful. If you've been watching the news, you'd be aware that another black man was shot this weekend by a police officer falling asleep in a drive through at a fast food restaurant. In Nigeria, we understand that 60 people have been killed by Islamic militants. I guess, do we have to find joy in a time of despair? So what is joy? Well, actually, it was a very strong theme for Paul. Paul uses the word joy 21 times in his letters. He's written several letters of the New Testament, but obviously it's a strong thing. I mean, joy, happiness is a, is, a, is a big factor in life for many people. It's the greatest predictor of your success in work, home, hobbies and relationships. In fact, some would say that Philippians was Paul's epistle of joy. Now, what's fun, really interesting about that letter is that he wrote it from prison. So what is joy? John Sanderson has written a book called Fruit of the Spirit. I've been reading it to try and prepare for this series. He says our source of joy must be God. Kay Warren, she's written a book called Choose Joy. I read that this week. She says this, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. She's got this full definition of joy and then literally spends the book unpacking it. Tim Keller, he says, a delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. The opposite of joy is hopelessness and despair. Counterfeit joy is almost when we get caught up with the blessings rather than the blesser. We think the job is great, but actually we don't get our security in God. <laughs> We're always going to feel like we've got to do better. You see, God is a God of joy. I don't know if you think like that. If, if I was really honest, I, I'd have used this line last week. What's God like? God is a God of love. <laughs> but actually, I think when you read the Bible, you read God is a God of joy. The father is described by the prophet Zephaniah. He's writing to warn the people of God in the Old Testament who'd been in sin against a holy God. And yet he still paints this picture. You know, God loves you. 
Zephaniah 3 verse 17, it says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. So that's the picture of God. In fact, we get three parables in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 15, which describe God. And they're all about joy. It's the lost coin that's found. The lost sheep leaves the 99, gets the one. The lost son that returns. And each one, there's a sense of, this is how God feels about anyone who turns to him. There's joy when you turn to him. God is joy. Jesus revealed God to us. And I imagine him as lots of joy. In this lockdown, I've been watching the, um, uh, the film, the series, I guess, Chosen. And a sort of alternative look at the life of Jesus. And you, you, it comes across that he was a man of joy. Jesus was welcomed at parties. <laughs> Let's be honest, who wants a misery guts at their party? Jesus had a joyful attitude. He welcomed the children to come to him. And when the disciples said, oh, no, he's busy. He's got better things to do. He said, no, come on, bring them on in. Jesus' words were actually quite funny. I think sometimes we forget this. He says, can you get a camel through the iron needle? <laughs> You'd be laughing. <laughs> Ridiculous. He said things like, hey, you've got a plank in your eye or a speck. It seems unbelievable, doesn't it? He even talked about you can you can try and strain out a gnat, small little insect, but swallow a camel. <laughs> I mean, that seems crazy, but that's the kind of joyful way that Jesus communicated. I mean, his actions, turning water into wine. God is joy. The Holy Spirit we read about in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6. You became imitators of us. This is Paul writing to the church and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives joy. So when I'm thinking about this fruit this morning, I'm convinced God is joy. I'm also convinced this. God's people are to be full of joy. Yes. In the Old Testament, when um, the, the city had laid in rubble and a ruin and Jerusalem and the walls was destroyed and they went back and built it. You can read about it in the book of Nehemiah. There's an example where Ezra is reading the law to the people and it's almost like they get cut up. And in Ezra, Nehemiah, sorry, chapter eight and verse 10, it says this, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is actually quite a common theme in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah, when he was writing to the people of God, and again, they, they kept doing things wrong. We keep doing things wrong. But God in his grace was going to welcome them back. And he says to them in uh, Isaiah 35, this is God speaking. They will enter Zion with singing everlasting joy will crown their heads you see God's people are to be a people of joy when Jesus was going to leave his disciples and we read about this in John 15 he, he basically says I've told you this so that your joy so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete yes. I don't know what you think about when you think about a Christian 
<laughs> you don't need to answer now. <laughs> I can't hear you. I'd love us to think, you know what? Christians should be some of the most joyful people on earth. It's a fruit of the spirit. If you think about the early church, we, we, we get an insight into the early church through the book of Acts. And again, after again, you get story. I've had to cut them down this morning. Philip goes into a city and he starts doing miracles. It tells us in Acts 8 verse 8, there was great joy in that city. Why? Because Philip was there bringing something of the kingdom of God. We read about the Ethiopian eunuch. He didn't understand what he was reading. Again, Philip jumps into the chariot, explains it to him. The guy gets saved. He gets baptised. In verse 39, Philip is taken away, but the eunuch, who didn't see him again, goes on his way rejoicing. There's suddenly joy. He's got baptised. He's full of joy. Mm. There's the jailer and his family. Paul's in prison. There's an earthquake in the middle of the night. Jail is about to kill himself. That's despair. Paul says, don't. We're all still here. The jailer brings him out, washes him down cares for him, gives his life to Christ. And it says in Acts 16, verse 34, he was filled with joy. The Christian life is to be one of joy, but I'm also aware there's suffering. And so some of you might even be saying to me, shouting at the telly even now as you're watching, oh, Pete, I understand that the Christian life is to be full of joy, but, but what about suffering? What about pain? Yeah, I just explained some situations going on around the world. How do we have joy then? You see, I would say that the world looks for joy by an absence of things. We want to escape affliction or sorrow. But biblical joy is not about the absence of something, but the presence of someone. Biblical joy is when we know Jesus with us. Paul wrote to the, the church in Philippi. He was in prison, but it's the epistle of joy. It wasn't the absence of difficulty. It was knowing God was with him. Jesus understands. You can follow Jesus, have a difficult time, but still be full of joy. Paul and Silas, they were in prison, chained, singing at midnight. It was nothing to do with circumstance. In my last church, I used to visit a lady who had MS and things got worse and worse for her. I used to visit her in hospital. Every time I left, I felt cheered up. She just radiated something of the joy of God. I took her funeral, but right into her final days, there was something of joy, nothing to do with her circumstances. Life was tough, but actually it was her trust in Jesus. You see, I believe as Christians, we should know something of that. C.S. Lewis, the author and sort of theologian, wrote, joy is the serious business of heaven. <laughs> I believe as Christians, we want to bring a foretaste of heaven on earth right now. There is joy as a Christian. OK, I'd like to apply this to one other area. Diversity. You see, I think the danger is that in a society where we've been taught to love ourselves, we tend to love those most like us. 
I love London, but actually I love the diversity of London. I love the 172 nationalities here. I love it as I've listened to, talked with, walked with diverse and varied people. Often I found the more joy there. Dolphus Weary, he's a minister and activist in the States, says proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and working for racial reconciliation are two sides of the same coin. You see, I believe as a church, we should know joy in our diversity on this International Sunday. I love the fact there's people from many different nations. John Piper, he's a, a Bible teacher in the States as well. He even talks about a choir. A choir is beautiful, not because they sing in unison, but because they sing parts. Oh, actually, I think that, I mean, our, our musicians, I love them. These serve us so well. Thank you so much, guys and girls. Even today, it's great, isn't it? Anna's singing one bit, Becca's singing another. I was thinking, wow, this sounds beautiful. The diversity complements one another. I think we're no joy in diversity as we learn to love, listen, welcome, celebrate, be patient, train, teach, unlearn in this area. I would like to suggest that biblically a foretaste of heaven is when the nations come together. Anna read that passage to us from Revelation 7. Diversity will make you happier than uniformity. And we cultivate joy then. Let's be really, really practical. I've literally got just a couple of moments left. I'd say this, worship Jesus. You see, fixing our eyes upon him helps us cultivate joy. We should shout more for Jesus than our football team <coughs> when the league does restart, which I know is going to be any day soon. We can cultivate joy by enjoying our kids. Some of you might say, oh, Pete, you don't know what it's been like. I'm trying to do work and I'm home educating. I tell you what, the thing I love about kids is you, you say one thing that's funny and then they laugh about it and you can do it again and again and again. There's often joy around kids. Enjoy your kids at this time. Develop joy by drinking of the Holy Spirit. That's what this passage is all about. Worship, family and the spirit. Christopher Wright, he wrote a book. I told you I will wave it one week. I'm keeping that suspense for you. Maybe next week. He wrote a book called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit. He said this. I wonder if as Christians we sometimes become so spiritual that we forget to take real pleasure in the ordinary gifts of God and don't allow ourselves to be filled to overflowing with joy. I'm coming into land now. My conclusion now is I've talked about joy, the God of joy, the people of joy, even in suffering and through diversity. I'm going to even suggest this. It's a strong word. But Paul, Philippians, I've kept referring to it, the epistle of joy, would even suggest that joy as a Christian is your duty. Philippians 4 verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. I do want you to be one who knows joy this week, whatever your circumstances. I'm going to finish with these verses from Jude. It's a blessing, really. To him 
who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Mm. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.